Welcome back to another exciting week in the Web3 universe. I'm your host, The Mayor, and you're listening to the best NFT media-nominated NFT and Chill podcast, the show that discusses interesting topics with artists, creators, and thought leaders from the Web3 space. On this week's episode, we have Colin Johnson, who is the CEO of Freeport. And we're going to be talking about fractional NFTs and fine art and, you know, how the blockchain is evolving to include real works of art. So sit back and chill while we explore the exciting world of Web3 and NFTs together. Who we have this week is Colin Johnson, who is the CEO of Freeport. How are you doing today, Colin? I'm doing very, very well. Pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, awesome to have you here. We haven't really done any like fractional art or any of that, so I'm definitely excited for this episode. You want to give the listeners a quick introduction? Yeah. So uh, my name is Colin Johnson. I'm the CEO and a co-founder here at Freeport. Uh, before moving into the Web3 space full-time, I've always kind of had a passion for it. I was at Apple for five years. I managed product marketing for Apple Cash, uh, which people can find in their wallet if they've got an iOS phone. And before that, I was at American Express in New York City, managing digital partnerships with you know people like Uber and Airbnb, trying to make Amex cool again for uh, for young people. Very cool. So I, you know, I always am very intrigued when someone from Fortune 500 company, an executive type, jumps into Web3 cryptocurrency and, and blockchain. So I, what brought you into this world? Yeah, so I've been in the world for quite a while. I think, you know, I bought Bitcoin originally back when it was like 250 bucks, did not hold it all the way through. Ethereum as well, uh, very, very early on in the life cycles. And it was because I read the the white papers, actually. Uh, I'm nerdy enough and they're understandable enough to have really convinced me that there's something there, that there was like a there there to this distributed ledger thing, uh, to de decentralization. So I've always had it in the back of my mind that this was going to be something impactful. And I didn't know how revolutionary at the time, but I still currently believe very revolutionary. So as I progressed through my career at Amex and Apple, I tried to convince the powers that be that crypto was a good place to be uh, and that we should we should all kind of be moving in that direction. In fact, at Apple, I wrote a white paper and got put on a research group uh, within the Apple Pay team to, to chat about cryptocurrencies and to talk about what some opportunities might look like. And it was fantastic. The people there were brilliant. And, and I love that company, but it didn't seem like we were actually going to be taking action anytime soon. So I decided, you know what, now is the time the, the market was incredibly hot at that point in time. And it felt like if ever I was going to, to dive in, then would be the time. These past like year or two, we've definitely seen a lot of huge companies, Fortune 500 companies getting into Web3 or at least dabbling and hiring people for these Web3 departments. When you talk about like, you know, American Express and maybe even Apple Pay, when you look at cryptocurrency, it kind of is like a rival. If you take all the credit card transactions with one company, it creates quite the carbon footprint. And, you know, with cryptocurrency and what Ethereum, with the merge, and how they've gotten their carbon footprint down below what credit card transactions are might disrupt their ecosystem, which is kind of why some of the big gaming platforms haven't got into Web3 because their ecosystem would be disrupted. 
Yeah, no, for sure. There, there's fierce pushback in the gaming space against crypto, also because a lot of those folks don't like the idea of being able to pay to play. They think, you know, there's some kind of honor in, in earning the things yourself, which there's certainly the opportunity for disruption to occur, you know, especially in the payment space, but also in a lot of other spaces, loyalty being one of them. And that's something that big businesses are going to kind of have to come to terms with. However, like the, the ideas out there of decentralization and of blockchains, and it's going to be really hard to put that genie back in the in the bottle. So I think it's going to be wise for those companies to kind of realize that earlier than later and just to adjust their business models based upon you know what the optimal outcome might be for them in a decentralized world. It may be a few years before that. What Web3 does is it offers more ownership and the ability to like transfer that ownership and just more power to the individual. I think a lot of companies don't want to give up that power and that ownership. Oh, yeah. It's scary. It's certainly scary. No, nor does the US government for that <laughs> For sure. Yeah, let's get into Freeport. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it, but you have something you have to kind of put out on the airways first before we get into uh, to Freeport. So why don't yeah. you go and do that? Sure. So this is, this is the fun part. Uh, because we decided to go the legit route uh, and actually request qualification from the SEC, what that means is we're in this marketing period called test the waters. And when you're in this marketing period, uh, there's a disclosure that has important information in it uh, for people to be aware of. Uh, so I'm just going to read this. Now, an affiliate of Freeport is anticipating making an offering of securities under Tier 2 of Regulation A. No money or other consideration is being solicited, and if sent in response, will not be accepted. No offer to buy securities can be accepted, and no part of the purchase price can be received until an offering statement filed with the SEC has been qualified by the SEC. Any such offer may be withdrawn or revoked without obligation or commitment of any kind at any time before notice of acceptance given after the date of qualification by the SEC or as stated in the offering materials relating to an investment opportunity as applicable. An indication of interest involves no obligation or commitment of any kind. And that is it. Okay, so that was a lot of action right there. I guess, could you kind of like simplify that? And like, what exactly does that mean for the audience? Yeah, so when you are offering, so think about stocks, for instance, right? You don't see a lot of marketing to buy an Apple stock. Uh, th there are very specific ways that you can market securities as a general rule. And under this qualification called Reg A, we have to clarify to customers while we're in this test of waters period that uh, we can't accept any payment, right? That we're sort of, we're doing something called test the waters where we've got the asset out there and visible and, and we're sort of marketing the value proposition of the security to folk. And these are just kind of the rules and conditions around this period of marketing that the SEC requires. Uh, none of it is actually, you know, if you if you think through or if people go back and listen to it, none of it is actually that fear inspiring. But it's one of those things where they want customers to be aware of sort of the current state of the security offering because it's their job to make sure, you know, mom and pop investors don't get screwed over by snake oil salesmen. So it's one of those things that if you decide to go the route that we did, you know, keep your crypto company here in the US and to be kosher, let's just say, that you do have to include in any kind of marketing materials. Gotcha. See, honestly, like I like seeing this. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of regulation, but if there are rules and things are regulated and there can be consequences, I, I like the fact that when a Web3 company comes in or, you know, the NFTs or whatever you're trying to do, that you're not just doing it blindfolded. Like, here's our NFT, here's staking. We don't really know if you can get in trouble or not, but you should buy it. Here, you guys are kind of crossing the T's, dotting the I's for your community. I think personally, we need to see much more of that in the Web3. 
Yeah, I, I fully agree. We are the opposite of anonymous and pseudonymous. We have uh, much of our personal information submitted to uh, the SEC at this point in time. And to be clear, there are plenty of Web3 applications that don't require this and shouldn't require this. And I, I do want to say I am very much in the decentralization maxi realm, but I understand that in trying to bring the value onto the blockchain that, that we're trying to bring on, this is the the right approach and sort of the fastest approach to start bringing more and more value on chain. And that's that's fundamentally what we want to do at Freeport. Let's get into why you had to read that. Like, what are these assets that you're bringing on with Freeport? So we're offering fractional fine art. Some people may have seen off of blockchain, uh, but blockchain opens up a whole host of, of new opportunities, as I'm sure people are aware. But effectively, we're taking these incredible masterpieces of fine art, and we're actually starting with a collection of four Warhols, which is a fantastic way to come out of the gates. But we, we take the art, we fractionalize it so that we allow people to purchase shares in the art. But we're actually representing those shares as tokens on the Ethereum blockchain via an ERC-20 derivative. So folks will be able to purchase these shares that represent an equity investment in the underlying asset, which is going to consist of a Marilyn Warhol, a McJagger Warhol, a James Dean, and a double Mickey. So like some of the most iconic Warhols that exist out there are going to be in our launch collection, which is fantastic. But people can buy these shares. It's not just that they're investing in the shares. And by the way, they'll be able to sell them on a secondary market once we get that all set up a few months after the initial launch. People can actually then display the asset that they've invested in within their 3D virtual gallery on Freeport. And we actually allow people to connect their Web3 wallets as well to display their favorite NFTs in that gallery. You end up with this merge collecting world of physical assets that you can display alongside your NFTs, but you're really owning those physical assets, or rather, I should say, you're really investing in shares of those physical assets. You know, a lot of like the NFTs for the past couple of years have been most likely an artist that nobody has heard of. And somebody just comes in, they create a project and they put out NFTs of, you know, animals, cartoons or what have you. I mean, there are definitely some known artists and even some, you know, nationally or regionally known artists that have, you know, done some NFTs. But what you're bringing in is actual fine art to where someone can own a share of that. They can either sell it on the secondary market, make money off their shares, or they can wait for the actual artwork to sell and then they can get a, a share of that. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly correct. So our intent is to hold the artwork until we get a very good offer for our users. And then once we sell the artwork, we distribute the profits on that artwork proportionally to the number of shares that people own. It acts like a stock. Yeah, and that's incredible because, I mean, you know, these old works, you know, the, the Da Vinci's, uh, the Warhol's, like what have you, whenever they sell, they always sell for much more than they previously sold. Can't guarantee yeah. any future results, but what we can certainly say is it's very easy to look at the historic results of fine art, especially the Art Price 100, which are the top tier artists, and see how they compare to the S&P 500 over the past you know, 25 years. And fine art has outpaced the S&P 500 considerably over that time span. Neither one of us are financial advisors, nor are we predictors of the future. But that being said, um, you know, if you look at the history of these works and, and how auctions go, this could be something very cool on the blockchain. Yeah. And, and what I'll say as well is if you look at the a report just came out recently showing how art has performed over the past 12 months. 
it indicates that art has increased in value by 29% over the past uh, 12 months. The reason that's interesting is because obviously there it's been a very, very choppy market and inflation has been very, very high. It shows that physical assets generally, this was true for both watches and cars as well, but physical assets generally tend to hold their value very, very well in the type of market that we're in currently. Again, it's not a promise of future returns in any way, but it certainly is indicative of a non-correlation between fine art and the stock market. Yeah, that's incredibly interesting. The fact that I love is that these are well-known pieces of art that are definitely, you know, one of a kind. So they are non-fungible. They're kind of turning it into fractional NFTs. It's definitely a very Web3 blockchain type of idea. We're excited about everything blockchain. Like as a general rule, we want to bring that utility to life and like being able to offer a sort of fractional ownership is inherent in blockchain and, and the technology itself. We want to bring other elements of blockchain to life as well. Like we, we don't want this to just be the classic kind of, hey, I invested in this thing and I wait for five or six years to, to have it be resold uh, and hopefully make money. Like we want to allow for these tokens to, to be interoperable with other elements of blockchain. We want them to be discoverable so you can pull them out into your wallet and other people can know that you are you know, a partial owner of a Warhol. Build other fun experiences around that. We're very excited to live up to that ethos and maximize the degree to which we offer experiences that people are familiar with in Web3, like being social and being part of a community and, and showing other folks that you are an owner and you care about that piece of art. We want to bring all those things to life as well and not just be kind of a boring old investment. Yeah, I love that as well. So that brings me to my next question. If someone is a part of the Freeport community, do you guys have going on in the background? Is is there an app? Is there a Discord? Ways do you have to keeping the community engaged? It's a web app, so you, you don't need to download an app of any sort. You can access it on mobile as well as on desktop uh, as well. As far as the community, we're doing something that's really interesting and novel, I would argue. So when you go into someone else's gallery, you can see the number of likes that you've got and the number of views that you've got on your artwork right now. Then we're also going to be implementing comments uh, within galleries, and we're going to make it very easy to discover other galleries. Uh, for instance, if we wanted to display to you the galleries of other folks who own the same piece as you, and you'll be able to go in and comment on their artwork or on their gallery as well. Part of owning art is being able to show it to your friends and talk about it. And we want to bring that to life on our platform. Once we go live, that's going to be one of the core features and ways for folks to interact with each other. We also were on Twitter currently. We will likely launch a Discord. I don't want to promise that. One of the constraints that we do have is, you know, because these are SEC qualified securities, we have to be careful about the language that goes out. So if someone is in our Discord, for instance, saying, oh, hey, we promise that the Maryland Warhol will only go up, will only go up. There's some questions around like whose responsibility that is. We're, we're taking a cautious approach to Discord right now. We do have a good number of people that are just on the wait list and who have reached out and, and who are really excited about the future of the community. So we'll likely be finding another channel or outlet for, uh, for folks to continuously engage with each other, but we'll have that core space on the platform itself. Gotcha. So you don't want people in there talking about, hey, let's, you know, get this to the moon and, and all this stuff. <laughs> right, right. We, you know, <laughs> our tokens are tied to fine art. We like how fine art has done historically, and we think that's going to be a benefit to our customers. We don't need to, you know, do the crazy, you know, pump and dump type stuff. That's that's going to not be our style. Mentioned that you can put other NFTs that you have in your gallery. So I guess, could you explain how that works? 
Yeah, absolutely. So people can do this right now, actually, even though we're not going to be launching until May 10th. You can go to freeport.app and, and click on the gallery and connect your wallet. And once you connect your wallet, you'll be able to add all the NFTs that you have there uh, in your Ethereum wallet, that is. And you'll be able to customize them, like where they exist on the walls. You'll be able to customize frames. Uh, in the future, we'll be kind of expanding the different opportunities there. But the gallery itself, I have to say, is one of the most high fidelity galleries out there. Like we really put a lot of time into making this custom. It's not just like a white label kind of knockoff of you know spatial or on cyber or something like that. So it's a really crisp, high fidelity gallery. And we did that partially because we knew we were going to be putting fine art in there, right? So if we're going to be selling real investments, really, really high quality uh, pieces of work, then we need to ensure that the gallery is going to be high quality as well. So the nice thing about that is now your NFTs can live in this incredibly high fidelity gallery alongside those incredible, you know, classic pieces of physical artwork. And we think that's key part of how we're merging the physical world with the with the digital world. And we're going to keep playing and pushing the boundary with what we can do there. Yeah, I love hearing that. A lot of issues that the NFT side have have with projects, you know, after they sell out, sometimes the founders and the people running the project, it goes stale and they don't keep coming up with new ideas to keep the community engaged and they don't moving forward. Fractional fine art is definitely something that can be really great on the blockchain for sure. Yeah, we, we think so too. And we plan on continuing to push those boundaries even in the real world too. So we won't be launching with physical galleries to do the artwork, but it's certainly on our timeline, right? So we'd love to have, for instance, a place in New York and a place in LA and ideally internationally, eventually, where folks who invest in the fine art can actually come and visit it. For sure. So speaking of New York, uh, will Freeport be at NFT NYC? I will likely be there personally. Uh, we're not going to be presenting. So we're, we're in crunch mode right now as we lead up to launch on May 10th. I absolutely want to be there and be part of the crowd. So, so you'll likely see my face at the very least. Very cool. Yeah. NFT and Chill is a, an official media partner. So hopefully we can catch up and, and meet face to face because that's a very enjoyable part of Web3, at least for me. Awesome. Yeah, I would love that. I'm actually kind of curious of where the art is sourced from and how you guys are getting a hold of these, you know, one of a kind fine art pieces. So that's actually one of the reasons that we're able to do what we're doing here. Um, so when we originally started and had the idea of bringing art on chain, we knew that we couldn't just hope that we could source it in the future, right? So we actually had a very close family friend of mine knows this woman, Jane Holzer. And Jane Holzer actually was a Warhol superstar when she was younger. She's now an absolute titan uh, in real estate and in art collecting. She's kind of the matriarch of Warhols in New York City. We've actually brought her on as an advisor, as an investor, and as the person who's helping us procure this art. Much of it is coming directly from her collection, as well as the collection of another close family friend who's been a Warhol dealer in New York City for many years. Very cool. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see kind of where all this goes. And especially like the secondary market is definitely intriguing. So last question here, Colin, and this is kind of what I do with each guest. The biggest topic lately has been artificial intelligence and chat GPT and all that. Kind of just give me your thoughts on AI and, and chat GPT. Oh, man, we could have done a full 
30-minute podcast on this one. I am profoundly in favor of what's going on on that front. So as someone who always wanted to be creative growing up and who had ideas, but not the talent to implement them, I love, love, love what they've been able to build. As someone who is philosophical about it, I think that we have no idea just how drastic the impact of this is going to be at the moment. I'm a little bit of the mindset of Sam Harris that we've likely let a genie out of the bottle that cannot go back in, will very, very potentially do very damaging things that we're not yet aware of. And it's a little scary that have this kind of arms race going on between a bunch of different companies now to see who can just push the best day out the fastest without many controls whatsoever, right? It's going to be the kind of thing where it's likely winner takes all or a few winners take all. So in light of that, I am slightly terrified and extremely excited, uh, both at the same time. Honestly, like that's kind of my mindset too. I think the technology and the innovation of it is awesome. And I use it on a daily basis to create content and for the podcast because, you know, if you're not using it, then you're you're falling behind. But, you know, there is a flip side to that. You know, the Terminator scenario, Skynet and all that, that terrifies me as well. You know, with all this arms race you're talking about and, and there's not a lot of control, but people are trying to build the best of it. These things can become self-aware very real possibility. And I think won't necessarily know what to do with ourselves at that point in time. Like you, you can't just hit the off switch on this globally. I'm hoping that we proceed with enough caution. Yeah, for sure. Colin, thank you so much for coming on NFT and chill. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. And folks, if they want to check out Freeport, they can go to freeport.app and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be sending out continued updates on the different offerings that are coming very, very soon. Awesome. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Freeport. So I want to thank them so much for making this episode possible. So definitely go check out what Freeport has going on. I want to thank my guest, Colin Johnson, for coming on the show and talking about fractional NFTs and fine art. And big news for NFT and chill, we are now in the top 1% most popular podcast globally. This is a massive, massive achievement for a show that's only been around for a little over a year hasn't even hit 50 episodes yet completely organic i honestly couldn't do it without all of you listening and supporting the show from all over the world so thank you so much and we will definitely be seeing you at nft nyc where we're a media partner so if you are going to be there i'd love to you know get in touch and and meet any of the people listening to the show so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss another episode of NFT and Chill. I'm the mayor, and you've been listening to the NFT and Chill podcast.